Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have a sunny Southern California show lined up for you. Uh, Kenneth Noel Mitchell is one of MTCA's longtime faculty masterclass teachers and a truly phenomenal educator. Every time I'm in a room with him, I leave feeling a bit more inspired, and today was no exception. This is another one of our college deep dive episodes where we give you a snackable audio tour into the various great theater programs around the country. Uh, Today, Kenneth and I got into the idea of him not being seen in the business, Um, and how USC and he are trying to change the face of musical theater and celebrate unique identities. Um, We talk a bit about training the artists for today, tomorrow, and the future. Um, We talk about how faculty are trying to see potential in an audition room. And Kenneth reminds you to talk to a variety of students at any program so that you don't get that bitter student who didn't just book the lead in their show. Upcoming, we have Ryan Quinn, who is one of my best friends in the world. Uh, And that episode, I do everything in my power to embarrass him while he tries to inspire you all. So it's a kind of fun game that we play the entire episode, me being cruel and him trying to be inspirational. Um, And I think it turned out well. Um, But for now, let's get to our episode with Kenneth. Well, it is such an honor to have Kenneth Noel Mitchell on the pod today. Uh, Kenneth is a graduate of Florida State University, where he got a BA in acting. Um, he was in the MFA program at Purdue University. Uh, as a director, his work has been represented in New York at places like the Public Theater and Soho Rep, as well as regionally all around the country. Um, as an actor, he's performed at lots of places, including the New York Shakespeare Festival, the Atlantic Theater, and many more. Um, Kenneth also has served as the coordinator of acting at the University of Minnesota Guthrie's BFA training program, as well as the founding head of acting for the new studio on Broadway and the associate chair at NYU. Kenneth is now the director of musical theater at USC. Uh, He's also one of our longest standing masterclass teachers at MTCA, uh, and one that each year students just rave about how inspired they were, including this very podcast producer, Megan Cordier, took his class way back in the day. Um, USC is located in Los Angeles, California. They take small classes, approximately 14 students. Um, They offer degrees, uh, a BFA in musical theater, a BFA in acting for the stage, screen, and new media, as well as various other BAs and BFAs in the theater world. Kenneth, how are you doing? It's such an honor to have you on the pod. Oh, it's so great. I'm so grateful to be here. This is my favorite time of year, Um, Charlie. It's so good to see you. 
You bet. Um, well, I'd love to start with, um, you know, I just went through a little bit of a bio, but I'd love to hear a bit about your own background and kind of your journey. Um, you've taught at now three fantastic universities. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got there uh, to where you are now. Sure. I think um, one thing I can say is I am also the um, co-head of undergraduate acting at USC. Mm. And the reason that's so important to me is because of I believe acting and musical theater is so closely related mm. in our program. And it is the core of the musical theater program. So it's really a pleasure to be able to go back and forth between the acting and the BFA acting program, recruiting that that group, and then the um, the musical theater, brand new musical theater program. Mm-hmm. I'm also the chair of Young Arts, which we get to see you know, the, the national panel, we get to see so many young artists from around the country provide opportunity and scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born with a disability, and my mother um, put me in a ballet class, which was a really bad idea. <laughs> and um, But it awoke in me a need to tell stories, and mm-hmm. this need to tell stories in many different ways. And... Along the way, I um, at Florida State auditioned for the BFA program. Told I was told they didn't see anyone like me in the theater or the musical theater, so they didn't accept me into the program. I stayed an extra two years, ended up getting roles on the main stage and lead roles um, mm-hmm. on the main stage and becoming, I think, a strong actor. I then auditioned for the major graduate program and was told was accepted to a major, major graduate program at the time, but because I stayed in school so long, I need to get a job. So I worked for the airline for two hmm. years, loading planes, fueling planes, parking planes, you <laughs> name it, I did that. And um, then went back to the graduate program, and they said they would take me, and they had decided they didn't know how to train someone with my disability to be an actor. Hmm. So I went to Purdue because they had acting and directing and then went to New York and participated in a showcase where I was told, don't get your head shut down. Um, there really isn't a place for you in the professional theater. You're a really good actor, but we just don't see you. I did the showcase, um, picked material that I thought was right for me. The next day I called a couple agents and they hung up on me saying, "We don't. if we want you, we'll call you. Went home that night and on my phone machine was an agent that hmm. gave me five auditions that next hmm. week. And from then on, my career took a really interesting turn. I wanted to be an artistic director because I wanted to empower myself to create opportunities. So I worked at the Public Theater, New York Shakespeare Festival. I worked at the Drama Bookshop. I opened my own theater company. I became an artistic director, hated it. And along the way, everyone hated it because it's not raising money and, um, so along the way, people kept saying, oh, you should be a teacher. I was like, no way. How dare you? You're putting me in a box. And um, But I did work at Lincoln Center Institute and found this whole multi-intelligence way of training and thought, this is a really cool way to train actors mm-hmm. because the approach is there is a genius in everyone, that everyone has a genius, and and you just have to tap into that genius. Um so I got a job, I, and part of my job was to create curriculum for public school systems. And um, 
there was a new program, VFA, enacting at um, the University of Minnesota Gospel VFA training program. It was two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went there. They lost the head of the program, and they had no curriculum. So I created that curriculum. One of my first students was Santino Fontana. Um, and I created a four-year curriculum with faculty uh, alongside. And then music kept creeping into all my plays. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I was directing a Shakespeare, it became Winter's Tale the Musical. If I was directing a Greek tragedy, it became Edifice the Rock Musical. And I thought there was something in my life that kept reoccurring with music and musical theater where I started. Mm-hmm. And um, because I was so introverted, I kind of left it. And But I wanted to really finish out. So I went to NYU and helped build their musical theater program, the acting component, and then got offered a job at USC building a brand new musical theater program, which is the um, collaboration between a school, school of dramatic arts, Thornton School of Music, and Coffin School of Dance. I love it, Kenneth. It feels like you're just like the the program whisperer. You come in and you you create curriculum and build programs. It's it's so cool. I'd love to hear specifically a little bit about um, USC and kind of what you're what you've built and what you're hoping to continue to build um, with that new program. Sort of like what would you think it would mean to be a USC student? We heard a little sure. bit about like, acting wise, but please. Our mission as a, our mission is to um, change the faith of the American musical theater. And by that is, we're welcoming all marginalized voices that don't traditionally see themselves represented in the theater, film, new media, and the musical theater. And we are celebrating those unique identities by training them to be competitive for roles and stories written about their marginalized life. And when I say marginalized, it's ranging from race, culture, gender, gender identity, ability, invisible disability, Mm -hmm. age, size, really looking at what America looks like and putting that on stage. And um, we're excited to do that. And Mm -hmm. it's radically thinking, how do we we rethink training so that we're training each student as a unique individual and not the cookie cutter ingenue leading man it forces also during the pandemic and coming out to really train the creator so it's not enough that you're telling stories auditioning for stories but you're giving the skills to create your own stories through dance music theater and reinventing the future of what this art form is mm-hmm I love that. If let's imagine, so you've accepted that class of exactly what you want um, in terms of, of representing marginalized voices. How are those f- individuals going to be changed four years later? So, what will they have learned, or how will they have grown in their four years at USC? I think so many of us have in we're all um, a great mosaic of different identities within ourselves. You know, we have many identities: we're mm-hmm. race, culture, gender husband, wife, father, son, and it's really, and their identities that we're ashamed of in life that we celebrate in the theater. Mm-hmm. Those are the stories that are so relevant. Like, dear Evan Hansen, you know, 
in life, someone with that kind of disability is taught to be ashamed. And in our program, we celebrate what is unique about you, what is special about you. And at the end of four years, I hope we can be artists that celebrate what is unique about them and not try and be, we already have Meryl Streep. We don't need Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep. We need the next you. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you find a student might not choose your school? So if they have a a number of different really exciting musical theater or acting options, why might they go in a different direction and say, I'm going to go somewhere else? Well, I mean, there's so many amazing, amazing programs out there. And and I've been fortunate to be involved with three. But I know there are. I think it's up to the student, really. You know, if they really want to go to a program that's dance-oriented, you know, that is the program they should go to. Mm-hmm. If they want to go to a school that's really music oriented, I think USC is really, we're really trying to look at each unique individual artist and train to their strength and then challenge their weakness. But you would say that USC is more of an acting focus school, that, that, that if that's where you would put the, the biggest place of that focus? I think acting is at the core of everything we do. But because the School of Music and the School of Dance are so rigorous. But again, if you're a student that sings well and acts well, but your dance and movie is a little weak, we're going to take you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to train you and bring up your dance. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for the triple threat to come in. We're looking to train you to be a triple threat. I love that. Um, I'd love to hear outside of the acting and musical theater program, um, what does USC afford a prospective student? So what outside of just the, the theater program could I take advantage of if I went to USC? One of the things I love about my job at USC, I get, I've been training in the BFA program for many years, BFA acting, the Guthrie, BFA musical theater at NYU. I get to work with the BA and the BA program at USC is incredibly incredibly rigorous. Mm-hmm. I get to work with the BFA actors and train them, teach them Shakespeare. I get to train with the BFA MT. And then there is this amazing MFA acting program and dramatic writing program. So there is a wealth of culture. Um, the BFA acting for stage, screen, and new media is an incredibly rigorous program. And it is a very diverse program. Not training the artists for yesterday, but training the artists for today, tomorrow, and the future. Mm-hmm. And um, the co-head of undergraduate and myself have just reinvented the curriculum for the BA acting program and the BFA acting program, really to reflect a more diverse culture and really um, reinventing actor training that is welcoming more diverse playwriting right into the classroom and more diverse methodologies of training into the classroom. So we're not only we're not only looking for a diverse student body and when I say diverse a wide range of diversity, we're representing them in the playwriting and we're representing them in the methodologies of training. So it's not just one way of training. Um, we talked a little bit about how you, um, as a professor, are going between different programs. How do the different programs interact in terms of a student population? As an actor, if I want to take musical theater classes or musical theater class, people taking acting classes, how, how does that work within your program? I mean, most BFA acting programs are pretty rigorous and they, they have a set thing. You know, this is 
So you can't pick and choose. What I do like at USC is the VA program. You can take musical theater classes in Thornton. You mm-hmm. can take private voice. You can decide to take dance. So a VA student has an incredible amount of flexibility and really can provide their own journey, which I think I think some students really deal well with. This is your plan. Mm-hmm. And then some students really deal well with, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to try a little bit of that and then I'm going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a really short break. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk about the USC audition process a bit. So we'll be right back. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Well, we are back with Kenneth. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the USC audition process. Um, In short, what do you think makes a great audition for USC or for you? I want to see you. We want to see who you are. We want you to have fun. Mm. Don't worry about pleasing us. Choose material that you love to do, not the material that you think is going to show range or be slick or impress us, but material that really reflects who you are. So we use that time to get to know you. Mm. You have four years to train, and you're getting incredible training now. But really, what what makes you, what is your point of view in the world? And you don't have to try to be unique. You already are unique. There is no one like you on the planet because no one has lived your life. So just bring that into the room. I love that. Is there anything you definitely do not want to see in a student audition? Anything that kind of becomes a pet peeve for you or something that you um, would be a a black mark against them? You know, having made a career beating myself up, you know, oh, that was so bad. I'm so sorry. We don't want to see that. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest way, the biggest thing I learned is I'm just going to have fun, you know, Someone is giving me a free piano, a free room, and a free audience. I'm just going to perform. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, because I had fun. And no one can take that away. So come in the room and play. I love that. Um, how are these answers different, if, if they are at all, with the pre-screens? Any kind of special advice for the pre-screen audition for that students are doing for you? You know, we're reviewing the pre-screens and we're um, giving advice, but my feeling, and, and basically um, my colleague that I pre-screen with is, <clears throat> don't worry, you're coming to school to learn. Hmm. You're coming to school, as long as we can see you and hear you, you know, if we get that full body shot, fantastic. <laughs> if we can see you move, great. But 
really you're coming to learn. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, when you hit that submit button, then you go back and look and go, oh, I didn't do that. It's okay. We're not going to say, oh, they didn't do a full body shot. So let's mm -hmm. not admit them. Mm -hmm. You know? Totally makes sense. Um, okay, my favorite question that I get to ask. Um, if you had to estimate for USC, from the artistic decision perspective, how much of the decision in the room is based on what we would call like skills, like musical theater skills, singing, acting, dancing, versus maybe a little bit more of those intangibles of who this person is and what my experience working them with them was. So how much maybe of skills versus intangibles would you say goes into the decision? I think my colleagues and I really wanted the raw potential. If you've had a lot of dance training, fantastic. Mm -hmm. If not, but we see you can move and we see potential, that's what we want to see. You know, we don't want a finished product. Mm -hmm. You're here to train. And I guess if you're a lifelong learner, because once you graduate from USC, you're not done. Mm -hmm. It's only the beginning. I still read the acting books and redoing my syllabus every year because it's all changing. And this industry based on Zoom and recording, it's going to keep changing mm -hmm. and keep transforming. And so I would say the hunger to be a part of that and to be inventive. Um, and then I know USC is such a um, rigorous academic school. So for you, how much is based on the artistic um, ability versus the academics? Or how do those work in the admission? So we, you know, we submit who we want. And then admission, not SDA admission, but USC admission, will look at your transcript and they will make a decision. And then they send it back to us. And then we fight with them. And, <laughs> you know, and... But ultimately, they that decision is in their uh -huh. office. Would it be fair to say that if I'm not at the USC's normal standards, but I'm artistically strong, that I do have a chance for some wiggle room? Or do most of your students have to have USC's um, academic standards? There have been the rare occasions and that we have been able to fight for that. And we do have a brand new dean. <clears throat> so I don't know. A dean, if you're listening, here we go. I hope. You know, and I will be, we will be um, pushing for that because as we're trying to broaden the range of voices in the mm -hmm. room, there are just some kids that don't have the academic support mm -hmm. they need to succeed. And yet, they're very smart. I when, I, when I was in high school, I was a terrible student. And I went to college and loved it and became mm -hmm. an honorable student. So it's a different way of learning. Totally. Um, any other uh, maybe final piece of advice for a prospective student um, auditioning? Maybe someone who's just now beginning their journey. They're about to enter their senior year in a little bit. Um, and they're looking at this whole process. Any kind of advice that you would throw to those students? Yeah, I would say two things. Go to the campus. Feel the vibe. Don't be swayed by a BFA program over a BA program because they're different and they're both very exciting. Mm -hmm. Feel the vibe on the campus. Talk to the student. You talk to me, I'm going to say, we're the best program ever. But <laughs> the students will always say, you know what? Blah, blah, blah. And talk to more than one student because you're going to talk to the, the one student that didn't get the lead in the show. <laughs> and 
everyday talk to a variety of students. And then ultimately, when you're on that campus, trust yourself. I know for me, um, I knew I wanted to live in New York more than anything. I was from New York, moved to Florida. I knew if I had gone to NYU that I would have not ever gone to class. <laughs> I would have been every Broadway show. You know, I knew I had to go to a town that had nothing else going on mm-hmm. except school for grad and undergrad. That's who I was. So you should ask yourself, some students come to NYU or pay and they're great program and because the theatrical community is so vibrant, it energizes them to mm-hmm. focus. You know, ask yourself, do I want to be in a big program? You know, because there are so many benefits to being around this high caliber of students, or do I need a very small, intimate program? That's great advice. Um, I'd love to just, a couple other questions and kind of wrapping up. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the specific challenges of 2021 and beyond um, in terms of how the school is adapting to this specific moment, um, both in terms of questions about you know, the demands for racial equity that came up a lot this summer, um, and then also just the newness of a virtual world that is sort of um, maybe now continuing to infect our, our theater business. So I'd love to hear how USC is sort of um, adapting to both of those challenges. Sure. Um, we have been, USC has been very proactive with EDI. And I've been on EDI work way before equity, diversity, inclusion was chic. Um, but we are going to have a office of equity, diversity, and inclusion in the theater, in our new building. We're building a brand new building. Mm. Um, <clears throat> we have really looked at how to diversify the curriculum to include a wide range of marginalized voices and methodologies in the classroom. And we have, and now we are in the process by, um, the co-head undergraduate acting like of providing training for faculty in different um, EDI, equity, diversity, inclusion initiatives, and, and really making everyone feel comfortable and really um, having the conversation every day, hmm. you know, having the conversation is at the forefront of every conversation we have. Um, as far as, you know, I, I've got to say, there were things I did on Zoom in actor training that were better than mm-hmm. the classroom. So there are things that I'm going to keep online, like Shakespeare. We did a whole um, five-week Shakespeare Zoom unit where we turned off the camera and just listened hmm. using the word and how could the word create pictures? And then we turned the camera on. So hmm. there's a whole great thing. There's a whole thing I teach monitor and part of monitor is environment. So there's a great thing with monitor being in your kitchen with a real refrigerator, mm-hmm. not a real food, real music, real water, and not like a box. So you know, there were these great things. There's also for me a um, the ability to record a scene and watch it and then go home and mm-hmm. sit and press play and pause and take notes and really give better notes. 
So I think that there were, you know, there was something disadvantaged. We weren't in a room together. We, um, you act from here up, you know. Um, but there's the virtual, I directed Midsummer Night's Dream, and the concept was a dream. So we just used virtual backgrounds. <laughs> just all, and it was very magical and very exciting. So I think this is not going to go away. This is a part of our lives. So mm-hmm. it's how to make friends with it. But theater, live theater, is never going to go away either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just one more one more opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity for us across the country to talk. Mm-hmm. I am... Um, I'm starting to form an alumni group of actors I've taught in the last 25 years from across the country to get together in a room and do a project. So I think it's, I think there's a lot of hard things, you know, and we need to be back in the room, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things we learn that we can use this kind of crazy world. And do you know, are you continuing the Zoom auditions in any way as we look at next year? So we're doing the pre-screens online, and then we're looking at a callback weekend live. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, we're trying to stay flexible with Delta and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, any final thoughts? Anything you didn't get to get in there today in terms of um, thoughts that you have about the school or thoughts you have about the process that you wanted to, to throw our way? No, I just I just think what Music Theater College Edition provides is so great for the students, and also the opportunities you provide for emerging teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of your coaches are my students, and it's so great to see them work and go, oh, you heard what I said. Cool. <laughs> so nice. You know, so I, think, I think it's a great it's a great opportunity because a lot of these programs just teach students how to audition, mm-hmm. and I think this program teaches students how to begin artistic journey. Oh, well, that, that's very nice to hear reflected back. That's certainly our goal um, is to do that. So that's great to hear the success of it. Um, if people were wanting to follow USC, w- where would they do so if they were, I don't know if you're an Instagram social media person, do we know how to ats and tags them? I think, I think USC, I don't, I don't do any of that. I do Facebook, <laughs> but uh, I think USC has an Instagram to go to, um, USC School of Dramatic Arts, uh, and all the info will be up there. Right, and we'll throw those in the the um, show notes from the episode so that people can click for finding the appropriate ads. Um, Kenneth, it was such a pleasure to get to chat with you today. Um, thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kenneth as much as I did. I just find him to be such an articulate and inspirational man every time I get to speak with him. Um, So it's always such a joy. Um, Something I want to just highlight that he talked about briefly. um, He talked about that idea of, you know, we want to watch you have fun in the room and not kind of cut yourself down. Um, I'm maybe paraphrasing a little bit, but I think it's such an important point for young artists to hear. Um, As I've worked with young artists, especially in that 15 to 17 year old range, I've noticed like a significant increase in the amount of apologizing that I've seen in the past 15 years. 
Um, and when I say apologizing, I, I can literally mean like saying I'm sorry sometimes, but even more often it might be like apologizing with your face or your body for the work that you've just done or maybe the work you're about to do, or often making like a self-effacing comment before your work or maybe sometimes after your work. Um, I can't say for sure where it comes from, but I suspect that there's this like great fear of being cocky in the room um, as if we have this image of like this huge diva that's so full of herself that she thinks she's too good for the room she's in and too good for the people around her and all those things. And of course, this would not be the goal. I'm not telling you to help be that diva, um, but it's also not a character that we see very often in the audition room much more often um, in striving for that kind of quiet confidence, which we want the kind of quiet confidence as opposed to cockiness. Um, but much more often in striving for that, we see this like incredibly loud humility, um, which is just as much a defense mechanism as that kind of cocky diva character is bringing in, right? It's just a slightly more palatable shield to prevent us from meeting the real you. Uh, the most common places I'll see this in the audition would be in the slate, where sometimes like a choice that you're making maybe in material is undermined before it's even performed. Sometimes right after the piece, where a performer will kind of like comment with their face and body to apologize for a vocal mistake, or maybe there's a line flub, and so they'll kind of let us know, that wasn't the best I can do it right after they did it, right? They'll jump right out right after the last line. Or sometimes in the interview, where they'll try so hard to sound humble about their skill set that it sounds like they're telling me why I shouldn't accept them into the school instead of why they should. Um, in fact, I'll find when I ask a student about what their strengths are, maybe in like a mock audition scenario, the most common place they'll start is telling me about their weaknesses. And then maybe they'll get around to their strengths, maybe. Um, so I think for everyone, as a practice of vulnerability, I do think it is worth practicing the art of non-apologetic art making. So what does it feel like to finish your monologue or song and just stand there and breathe, landing the plane of your artistic work without apologizing for the bumpy ride? If you're practicing answering a question of why you think you might be a good fit for a program, what does it feel like to answer that question without just telling me all the reasons you're not right for this program? I promise if you're a nice and humble person, I'll see that without you showing me how nice and humble you are. But I feel like if you're not able to advocate for yourself in the room, who will? So I think that is worth all of us practicing and just seeing what that feels like. It will be uncomfortable for a period of time, but the more you practice it, the more comfortable you'll be in your discomfort. Even though it's never going to feel completely natural to stand there and say, that's the work that I did. I did that work. And just let that be, as opposed to feeling like I can only live in it if it's my best possible ever artistic work. Can I sit and go, that's the work I did today on a Tuesday at 4 p.m. That's what I did. And just let it be there and let us comment on it. Let us um, have the reaction to it, as opposed to you feeling like you need to let me know that you can do better. Even though I'll assume, of course, you can do better. Hopefully, you're going to go for four years and do better and better each time you do work. Well, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more of me talking about vulnerability, please hit that follow button. Um, we would also really appreciate you if you were to rate and review us where you found us. We suggest a five stars if you love Zoom theater and an ironic five stars if you miss live theater, which I certainly do. Um, you can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com. Um, if you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual prep for your college edition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. To my young artists out there mapping their journey, keep changing the face of American musical theater. We'll see you next week.
wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.